Hello and welcome. We're back. Take to HMC. Rich here. And today, Josh and I, we sit down, we do our first ever training audit. So this is an idea we've been kicking around on previous episodes. And this time we sit down, we really do a deep dive on this particular mountain runners training. So this is a really cool episode. If you are a coach, if you are an aspiring mountain athlete, if you are a mountain athlete who wants to get faster, if you're just a runner who wants to get faster. So we talk in great detail about how to juggle high volume and how to actually work in speed and what practical speed work looks like in the mountains. Because a lot of times it can be tricky to figure out what is actually going to work for you when you want to get better at climbing, at uh, descents, and if you're going after some faster trail races or if you're doing the FKT route. So we do a really big, long deep dive into ins and outs of this particular mountain runner and how we believe she is going to really accomplish the most with her time. So I hope you enjoy it. This was really fun, and I think there's a lot of great takeaways for anyone looking to improve in the mountains and on the trails. Cool. Let's do it. Josh Reed, HHMC. Hello, Josh Reed. What's up? Hey, fresh man. How the heck are you? Yeah, I got a fresh cut. It's very Feeling fresh. good about it. It's very it, fast. I felt uh, like I'm still behind the eight ball on getting my hair cut because of COVID. I just got used to just having long hair, and then my hair got real long, and I was like, oh, I hate this. I was like, I could just go get it cut now. I'll just go to where I pay people to cut my hair. I don't know what that's like. I have been, I have had my own hair cut cutter for like the past six years. I've also just been doing a mohawk. So it's pretty easy. <laughs> How long did it take to perfect a mohawk? Is it something that is intuitive that you're like, okay, just this, 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 this was a perfect the first time or after did it take, you know, eight to 10 months to really like figure it out or longer? Nah, I nailed it the first time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, knew, you knew exactly what you wanted it to be. And it well, just, I was going to, uh, I was going to South America and, uh, and I knew like down there, a lot of people like soccer players rock the mohawk, but I like the thin strip mohawk, you know, it was like a pretty, pretty beefy hawk. I was like, I want that. I just want something fresh, something, you know, something new. I'm going to a new place. It's a new me. So I, so I buzzed the side of my head and my buddy and helped me. And then like, we just kind of tuned it up a little, but, by the time I left the house, like an hour later, I was like, I'm happy with this. This is it. You're like, this is the look for forever, for ever now. <laughs> forever. <laughs> forever look. Um, yeah, speaking of South America, did you see the – we were talking off air about the Eco Challenge. And the next Eco Challenge is actually going to be in Patagonia. Did you see that? I did. That's that's pretty sweet. And And we've been watching that show. We're watching it kind of in tandem i'm on the eighth episode you're on the fourth so what's yeah. been like your overall feel about the the show so far i think it's awesome so the first like the first couple episodes i knocked out on the treadmill and mm. like on the second on the second episode i was getting into some intervals and i got a little distracted and so i got done with the workout done with the episode i thought oh, i was pretty all right but i just realized that i was kind of distracted and not really able to engage with it so last night i watched an episode uh like episode four with my girlfriend and I thought, man, this is this is actually really this is really captivating and good and exciting. Yeah, I haven't watched a lot of those type of shows. I don't, I didn't know what really to expect, especially from a, a show like Eco Challenge. But it seems like the production value and just they put a lot of money. It seems like it cost a ton of money to put a race on like that. 
So I've been, I've been swept away by it. I've been into it just like who these people are and, and really trying to like get into that type of mindset. So yeah, Spartan's been pushing it a little bit because Ray Coble and Ryan Atkins, who are obviously the best in their field, especially when it comes to the ultra category, both world champions in Sweden. And I think in, um, wherever they had it the year before. So, uh, what did they have it the year before? Uh, I was in Iceland and they're also champions at world's toughest mutter, like all those locations. Right. Yeah. So like any 24 hour race, Ray Coble, Ryan Atkins, they, they smash. And this race is an 11 day race or that's on the long ends. It's, you know, multiple days, and stage race so they were pushing it like check out our athletes and then i was very interested to see what it was going to be about and i would imagine just from watching the show that they are the two best athletes in fiji at the time like what do you think based on what i've seen i i agree because there's there's a lot of variety i I can tell they have they want to have a lot of different groups they want to bring a lot of different walks with people you have people that are out there just to like knock off the bucket list you have families you have uh yeah different different teams representing different 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 walks of life right but there's like those top teams the top you know maybe five six teams that are like truly actually athletes and i do i do agree based on what i've seen so far i think as far as purely endurance athletes uh that ray and and ryan are near the top i'm looking at the new zealand guys i'm like i don't you know i don't think they'd beat ryan or Rhea like in an ultra marathon but in this particular adventure racing thing like that is their shit yeah, that and that's the thing. And they all seem to be a bit older and may have done an eco challenge in the past because they were saying it's been several years. I don't know the exact history. I haven't read up on the exact history of this race, but it seems like most people have done some sort of adventure race previously, or this might just be an endeavor that people get into later in life. But I'd imagine they're the youngest by there on there by like 10 years too. like both of them. Like it just seems like everyone else is a little bit more advanced in age. It seems like everyone they spoke to had some sort of family um, that they had left to go and do this and that, that, that they knew what, what to expect. And that was, I don't, I didn't know what to expect, I guess, but it wasn't that it wasn't that it was these people that just have this big, broad, fast experience, but then watching the race, it makes sense because there's so much stuff. I'm like, how can anybody prepare for all of these different avenues? But I guess if you are older and you've had that much time to practice these different things, it makes sense. So that that's it's been pretty interesting because it seems like it's a lot more on like planning and just like teamwork. Dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I said, navigation, navigation and sleep deprivation and just like staying on top of little things that are happening like blisters and make sure you're eating enough. It's like if you can you can keep all that together and you know, have like quick transition times and all of that cuz I mean, I when I did world's toughest, I I didn't realize how much time I was spending in the pit and all that time adds up and it adds up and it adds up and next thing you know, like you've missed out on the opportunity to do like another 10 miles and that's massive. So it's all those little mm-hmm. things, man, and all these guys are pros at just chipping the time away. So yeah, so you can definitely tell that they have experience in though that ultra type world just because they do know how to navigate when things go wrong and that they they can keep going when their feet feel bad or like, you know, in the first episode, this isn't really a spoiler because it happens right away, but there's <laughs> a guy who goes down with like heat stroke immediately and he just has to keep going and they just and they just pull him drag along. him along, literally pull it's him. Like <laughs> literally pull him. It's like too bad, man. Like you're going to have to get better at some point and they just deal with them until he gets better where most people I think would just be, all right, we got to, I have to go to the hospital. I need to, to really 
yeah. and go home. But yeah. these people have gone through it enough that they have seen enough that they can know what where where those boundaries are. How do you think you do in a race like this? How do I think I would do? Yeah. I am very confident in my ability to handle uh, shitty elements and, and just being on feet for a long time. The only thing that gets me is sleep deprivation. I mm. don't know how the hell I'd fare after, you know, like three days, say I go like three, four days and I only get two hours of sleep over the course of those 72 plus hours. Like I, I don't know what that looks like for me. It could be, it could be weird. It could be fun. It could be dangerous. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's, that's like the one thing that turns me away a little bit. Mm. Uh, but I'm yet to practice. I'm yet to practice that particular thing. It's not like a healthy thing to go out and practice and training, you know? Yeah. I don't know if you practice that. I think you just have to hope you don't hurt yourself when, when you are, uh, deprived of sleep. Um, yeah. And I, I, I have no idea. I've never been able, never done anything nearly that long. Not sure how I would navigate things. I would just have to be like kind of what I assume Atkins and Rhea were on, on their team is just kind of like the muscle and just mm. kind of like following orders and like having a, a team captain that actually knows what to do. But there's like, there's like rafting and like a lot of paddling and I don't, and I don't really have any experience in that. I, I think I would definitely be a burden on the team because I would just be like, what do, how do I do this? They just kind of have to tell me what to do. I don't have nearly enough experience in going anything like that. Yeah, man. The navigational, the navigational aspect that is, I, I mean, try, trying to navigate at night with just uh, cause they don't allow you to have your phone. You don't have GPS. You have to use a compass and you have to use a map mm-hmm. and you have to read valleys and, and peaks and waterways and hope that like, this is the right waterway that you're looking at. And if that's the right waterway, that means we have to go due north or whatever. Like if you're, if you're off, it's, you're having a bad time. You're going to end up several miles, like off your location. It's, it's pretty stressful. It's, you know, you, it's constant navigating. In the episode I was watching, like there's three people paddling while the other guy's just studying the map. Totally just looking down at the map the whole the entire time. Guy on the bike, not even looking at where he's going. He's just like at the map, making sure he hits the right, the right spot. So it's constant navigation. Yeah, because it doesn't matter how fast you're going if you're not on route, you know. So that needs to be the the main part, and that's another part. I, I, that would I wouldn't I have no experience with that, so I would just have to put my head down and put blind faith in whoever I was following, and just not ask any questions. Just be like, where if we get lost, that's cool. If we don't mm-hmm. get lost, that's also cool, and that that'd be that'd be my uh, contribution to an eco challenge yeah and this is not a spoiler also i'm not gonna give any specifics but there is like there's this kid in one of the episodes like i said i'm on the fourth episode and there's this like 15 year old kid who uh like lends a hand and he's like running through the woods barefoot carrying packs oh in in the dark a local local, yes yes fijian and uh and dude, he's so impressive. His ability to navigate and and yeah, like run run barefoot. And, no shoes. Uh, yeah, n- no shoes in the village. Is like yeah, he's the best. He's the best hiker in the village. And I'm like, dude, this kid makes me look like such a sissy. Yeah, like, holy shit. And this is just innate. This is just their way of. Uh, this is just their way of living. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. And that's something else. It's really it's a really fun aspect. So if you haven't watched it, I recommend it. It's on Amazon Prime. If you don't have Prime, get Prime. It's worth it. Or get a password um, <laughs> doesn't have it um well cool dude so we'll, we'll we'll keep watching that keep talking about that because it's super fun and i enjoy it so but today we have a pretty cool episode something we've talked about in the, on the previous uh episodes where we wanted to take listeners and 
learn about their training and then figure out what kind of holes might be there and, and essentially give them a quote unquote training audit. So we have two athletes um, who we spoke to and kind of got the background on that we're going to go over here and then and give some practical practical advice for what they can do. And this the advice won't just be specific. It, I mean, it is specific to them, but it also can uh, carry to other people's uh, training as well. So I thought this was a pretty fun, fun process. So we're going to dive into it. Josh, you ready? Totally excited about this one. Me too. So the first uh, athlete we're going to talk about, her name is Lauren Longfield, and she's a, a really high-level athlete, but pretty new at this sport. And we talked about her on the, uh, a few episodes before, and she just did something like absurd. Like she's been crushing it this summer, and she did that race. Could you explain that race where she – the 24-hour race that she did that um, where that she won recently? Yeah, so Joe DeSena uh, held a little backyard event when it was 24 hours doing loops up and down this mountain in his backyard. And ultimately, it was just who can cover the most distance. She, uh, I, I don't know how many, how many laps she did, but she totaled somewhere in the ballpark of, I want to say, 70 miles and 30,000 feet of elevation gain. I think somewhere around there. And she won overall. And she set or, or tied, I think I saw, right. for the fastest lap. So she was fast. She was consistent. And, uh, yeah, laid down some impressive numbers uh, there. So she's she's got some pretty good efforts in the tank. Absolutely. And she's been putting in a lot of work. And, yeah, when uh, Joe DeSena did that interview with uh, uh, Obstacle Race Media, he, like, mentioned her but, like, didn't know her name. He's like, some He's woman like, did this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, cool, man. Great. Nice shout out. But that was her. That's Lauren Longfield. She went there, crushed it, and, and just took it all the way down. So she she has a, a pedigree to perform really well. And what's interesting about her is that she's just starting. You know, she has – she was a bodybuilder for five years and then has just kind of gotten into endurance sports and Spartan races the past like a year and a half, two years. So she's already putting on big time performances that way. And the training reflects that. And then she really is um, aggressive about the, the training that she puts forward. And now she's kind of committed to more of the OCR and the trail scene. So her main focus has been volume and building her aerobic base and she hasn't done too much pure speed work. So that's kind of where she wants to learn about that aspect of endurance sports and coming from a bodybuilding background, I could imagine like it just makes intuitive sense for her. It's like, okay, like volume makes sense. Volume is where you get your, your results. So she's just kind of taking that and put it in in place and she's not afraid to work. Uh, she will do it. She will prioritize training and, now with no races, she's gone after she's gone the FKT route, which is kind of how you've spent your season, uh, this year 2020 as well, just mm -hmm. trying to set some of these fastest known times. And now she's doing some of the shorter efforts and she thinks that speed work might be able to help her um, accomplish those things. So Josh, you know, Lauren a little bit and in a little bit of her background. So what are your first thoughts for someone like Lauren who could add some speed work in, in terms of, how to continue to set these fastest known times on trails? Well, I, uh, I haven't gone out for any runs with her yet, but uh, that's, that's probably down the road. But as far as observing where she's at now and, and, under, and having that information about her past uh, with, uh, with the bodybuilding and uh, well, I got to say with bodybuilding is pretty cool. Cause she also said that like her nutrition's on point, mm -hmm. which I, I definitely believe for two reasons. One, because bodybuilders, had no, like you said, the relationship with volume, they know the relationship between like certain macros, calories, and how that uh, coincides with 
bull putting on mass and having like getting the results that you want from those lifts. And, uh, and so having that in with your, your running, that's going to keep you from obviously being in like super depleted states and putting yourself at high risk of an injury. So I feel like she's in a healthy spot there very likely. Well, another thing also about the bodybuilding is the reason I think that that's really helped her with all of the super high volume because, and, I, and I'm speaking from my point of view as well, it, it helps build durability, all of the heavy lifting, mm. all the compound movements and having full body strength just overall makes you more durable. So you can handle all of that pounding a little bit better, perhaps than somebody else, especially on the trails where there's all of that kind of all over the place movement compared to a, you know, like a pure road runner. Hundred percent. I thought the same thing in terms of the the strength training background because she already has a huge volume and base built in terms of strength training. She still kind of dabbles that in a little bit, and I want to uh, touch on that a little bit. But let's just kind of set the stage a little bit more on on what she's actually doing currently. So right now she aims for and consistently gets seventy miles per week with twenty k of vert. Um, so she's putting in work, and that ends up being about thirteen to fifteen hours of just endurance work each week. So. That's quite a bit. Where where are you in terms of that? That's more that's more than you put in, right? Oh, that's far more than I put in. Yeah. I uh I absolutely have responded well to too low volume. I I've also had good results off of higher volume, but I I'm a little bit conservative and I want to ensure that I'm not putting myself in I don't want to walk the thin line. I really want mm-hmm. to make sure that I can perform over the course of the next several years and and beyond. So I'm not rushing to to get up to those higher levels, I'm supplementing with other work, uh, especially like biking mm-hmm. and just spending more time moving at a slow pace. So like getting on the Nordic track and just hiking nice and easy, not there's less downhill forces and mm-hmm. I'm moving super slow and I'm building that time on feet. But my mileage, if you look at the numbers, mileage isn't impressive, but yeah, but Lauren, vert, you, you put in vert though. You, but where's yeah, your vert around this? I'm putting, I'm honestly right now I'm only doing about 10 to 15. Okay. That's still mm-hmm. a considerable amount. You know, I, it's working great for me because also the way I yeah. figure is that getting on the bike for, you know, like four or five hours out of the week, that that's definitely putting the quads in a position that is conducive to that uphill strength. So it's that low impact kind of simulating that uphill grind without, again, getting those those numbers, that vert numbers. And that's, that is another part of this whole equation, right? It's like when you look at Strava or, you, you know, you look in your log, you see these numbers and those mean a certain thing to you. Uh, but that's, that's part of the mental game. We can get to that in a, in a little bit, mm-hmm. but as far and yeah, Lawrence was also doing a lot of 90 mile weeks and this is all super duper impressive. It's, it's awesome to see that she's responding well to all that, that she has the durability and that she's been healthy so far. Uh, I'm a conservative person when it comes to this training because, again, I want to see someone like Lauren really shine over the next few years because I think that if she can keep herself operating well and staying healthy, I think that she can really, really be a high performer. Not that she isn't, but I think she could really rise to the top over the next few years. Do you think so? I 100% think so. I think she's going to be there as soon as we're able to race again. And this is definitely a place that it would be like the first piece of advice that would just kind of come screaming out because of how much volume this is and how little uh, experience she has is it's like, okay, let's, let's be a little bit more conservative. Let's pull back a little bit. But, but in her case, like, I don't think that's uh, really a, a piece of advice that would stick. I think it needs to go after it. And like, there needs to be a time where 
it's okay to, to balance us to, to be on that thin line and just see where that goes. And I think that she is of the mindset of like pushing to the point and it's okay. And like whichever way that goes, if it leads to awesome performance or if it leads to setbacks, like in her mind, I think she's okay with that. I don't think that that longevity of things is something that she's too concerned with right now and just kind of pushing herself right now and seeing where that goes. And for most people that does end in some sort of traumatic setback, you know, and, um, and that's why most of the advice that I think that she's hearing as well. Cause even when we were in our conversation, she was talking about some of the workouts that she does and like some of the feedback that she's getting. It's like, Oh, that's too much. That's that you should kind of pull back. But in her case, I think she should just go for it. Like, I think that she's handling it. I think that she wants to handle it. I don't think pulling back is something that is going to be necessarily something that she's going to do. So I think that there need, there are people who can push into that area. And even where she is now, like how much volume she's already doing is more than most people will ever do in their lives. And like, I kind of want to just see like what happens if she kind of keeps that pedal down. Mm-hmm, and like, mm-hmm. maybe she's an ultra responder. Maybe she handles all this. Maybe she can do this because she's already here. And, uh, and if setbacks come, like she'll have to adjust on when those do uh, like appear for her. But I think she should just say, fuck it and go for it. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that's, that's where I am in terms of the volume for her, because I think her mindset is right around it. And I think that she's okay with, with things going wrong. You know, I don't think like, I I think if she got hurt, I think she would just like take this focus, put it elsewhere. And then when she came back, she would be ready to to hit it again. Um, So I actually think she would handle a setback fairly well, um, just because she is committed and she has like this high ability to work and to tolerate discomfort. Um, So in terms of like, do I think like you should, she should want to, like, she would be an emerging star. Um, in the next couple of years, I do believe that that is the case, but there are people who can sustain ridiculous amounts of training and she might be that. And you're, you're reminding me. So you had a podcast, uh, just last week or the week prior with Chris Brown, ultra runner. Mm -hmm. Great podcast. Everyone should definitely go listen to that one. They talk about restaurants. I I thought it was entertaining. There was a lot (laughs) of good stuff in there, but he talked about Jim Walmsley and how Jim is kind of sacrificing this idea of longevity to just push the envelope and see what a human can do right now. And that's kind of what I'm, that's kind of what I'm seeing with Lawrence. Like, and I can appreciate that. Like if you want to just, if you would just want to push it and you don't give a shit about longevity and you're like, listen, I'm going to, I don't care if I, if I burn out in, uh, in, in two years, I'm okay with that. You know, there's a mm-hmm. quote from, uh, I think it's Blade Runner, one of the one of the old good ones, not the new one with Ryan Gosling. That was mediocre. Uh, but he said the candle that, or the light that burns twice as bright lasts half as long. Right. And I think that's kind of the trajectory that she's on. Right. And I think that that's okay. And, and and you have to find out. And if you make that decision, it's like, I'm going to find out how bright I could burn. And if it, and when that time ends and you do burn out, like it's over anyway, you know, like, it's not like, oh, I wish this kept going because once you reach that burnout point, you're ready for it to be over, you know? And so that's kind of the difference in like putting in this type of work versus being really conservative and, and uh, approaching it like as a lifetime sport, because although right now she's, in really in the mix and really feeling good about it. And like, she's like, Oh yeah, I could definitely do this for as long as I would like to. I'm not sure if that's what she's thinking. I didn't add it. Um, you know, you would think that most people, they want to keep this going for the rest of their lives. But maybe that maybe some don't, maybe they're just like, this is what I do now. Mm-hmm. She did bodybuilding for five years. She probably thought about that then got to a point. She's like, ah, oh, fuck it. Let's keep, let's move on. And th- this might be the type of 
mindset that she has is like, when I reach the point where I don't want to do it anymore, I just won't. And I'll just take, take this mindset and apply it to whatever I can when that comes. So, um, I like that she pushes this way and it's, it's, and you know, I'm going to say, yeah, I can, I can respect that. I think it's awesome to watch and I'll say it outright. I'm jealous. I'm jealous because I would love to be able to, to, for my body to be able to handle 13 hours of running in the mountains. I love the mountains. I love running in the mountains, but I read the signs and my body doesn't want to do it. And so, uh, and so yeah, that's where I'm at right now. So awesome to observe what she's doing. So I guess let's, let's respect that and, and talk about how to, not pull back, but rather just to kind of change up, just mm-hmm. to change things up to bring that speed into her game right now. So she can tackle some of these uh, faster FKTs or just kind of start that sharpening process for uh, shorter races next season. Cause she, she already has an awesome foundation to build upon as far as being able to handle lots of volume. Totally. So I, uh, I love Strava. You know, we work with training peaks. We're able to see what athletes are doing. We're able to look at numbers and look at tendencies and Strava uh, allows us to look at that to a degree as well. And something that I, I did the other day um, when you shared the audit is I went and just looked at some of her data and something that I found that she, she trends to do is, and this isn't terrible by any means, but she does spend a little bit of time in what we might call the black hole zone. Now I I'm saying that based off of, the idea of, of like math. I don't know what, mm-hmm. uh, Lauren, I don't know what your, your threshold heart rate looks like. I don't know what your heart rate zones precisely look like, but we'll, based on just a quick glance, I think you might be hanging out at just a slightly too high a heart rate on too many runs. Some runs, your heart rate is nice and low. Some runs, your heart rate is in the, uh, the high 150s, low 160s for an extended period of time. And if you want to be able to build speed on top of all of this volume you're putting in, then my recommendation would be to have a greater, uh, a greater spread between your efforts. In other words, to take those easy long days a little bit slower um, and then take, make your hard days simply a little bit harder. So what that might look like is instead of hanging out in like the 150 to 165 heart rate zone for you, and I don't know how old uh, she is, maybe 20. She's out of 29. 29. 29. Okay. So perfect. So, so I would, I would personally recommend to make the easier days easier, hanging out in like the 130s, low 140s perhaps. And then on the harder days, get that heart rate up to find out your threshold, do a threshold test, do, you know, 45, 60 minutes uh, on like a steady climb, go find out your threshold heart rate. And then you can operate off some percentages, some percentages there. But anyways, you're going to end up wanting to spend a minimal amount of time right now in the say 150 to probably 165 heart rate zone. You're either going to want to be a little bit uh, above that and for short durations of time, and you're going to want to spend the majority of your time below that because Mm -hmm. Again, you got high volume, but when you start to add in intensity on top of other things, you're just, it, obviously it is a lot more stress. So you just want to have a little bit more diversity uh, as, as far as that goes, as far as intensities go. And in terms of how this could improve her longevity of things, like this is a great practical thing. Like it wouldn't even really take anything away from the volume that she's putting in. It would just kind of change the efforts in which she's doing. Where right now, um, because she does have that like kind of go hard mindset, it's like every run is a little bit hard. Um, and she probably doesn't, it probably doesn't feel hard to her because she is used to it and still kind of going. And so she's probably like, well, I'm just doing these runs. I'm going slow. I feel fine. Um, but yeah, really pulling it back so that those harder efforts or like, even like these efforts that she's putting in now, where she's in the one fifties, one sixties above that can almost be like her speed work where now she's like kind of always 
like you said, in that kind of grayish zone where everyone kind of ends up being the same. So as opposed to just being like, okay, one day a week, do a tempo run or do some hill sprints. It's like most days of the week pull back. So that heart rate comes a little bit down so that when it's time to do speed work, you can hit that a little bit harder. I think that's an awesome place to start. And that's a really, that's a really sound way because I don't feel like she needs to. So yeah, what do you think about this? Where do you think that she needs to spend her time during her speed work? Should she continue to do it in the mountains or should she pull back and do some road stuff? Um, because she seemed a little split on that as well. It's like, should I do flat tempo? Should I do track run? Should I do intervals? So what do you think? So I would say get to a place probably less technical. I think that she loves hills. Um, I think that at least a slight incline would be best for the, for the type of work that I'm about to spit, which is, so I looked at her, uh, looking at a straw, I also looked at her cadence and I, uh, I, I don't know how tall she is. I feel like she's fairly, fairly tall and you know, maybe five, nine, five, 10. I don't know. So maybe she's not either way. Uh, I don't think cadence, so. I think she's like, I think she's like five, five. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, anyways, Lauren, your cadence is awesome. Uh, it looks very, you look to spend a lot of time above 180 steps per minute, uh, even upwards 185, 190 on a lot of runs, even uh, on like uphill technical terrain, nice. not just uh, like flat runnable stuff. And so what I gather from that is you have, I mean, you have fantastic turnover. So what you would want to do now to get faster is not to speed up your turnover, but you want to get, you want to lengthen your stride. You want to build some more power from each stride and the best way to to do that is going to is going to be getting on some more runnable stuff uh, i think bounds are going to be great for you i think doing uphill mm. intervals with a focus on extended stride is going to be of great benefit uh because yeah ultimately how fast you go is your stride rate times your stride length and your stride rate is there so focusing on your stride length and really extending it, it i think is going to end up being of great use for you and you can get those type of metrics from, I think your, most of your, like your watch, I think can tell you this, right. It can tell you your stride length. Um, a lot of times I'm not sure if I, if I've dug into the, to the maybe Garmin, but Garmin has a lot of, a lot of good data. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Garmin can tell you your stride length and there, but there's no like real hard number around it. But I mean, if you can lengthen the stride and keep the, the cadence at that 180, like that is ideal. Um, that means you would, like you said, it would mean you're improving your power with each step because you're covering more ground. I love the bounds, uh, the recommendation. I think that is such a practical way to improve the speed without taking away the the mountains right like because like when you think of traditional speed work it's like okay let's go on the track and run 800s for lauren like i don't think that that would help at all you know like to kind of put her in that vo2 max interval range like it would help her flat running you know might help her in like i don't know like a vertical k or something but like that's not what she's doing right she's still working on these fkts so i think that improving that power output would be really really smart way to do it um what do those workouts look like we've talked about bounds before but like what would you say like if you were just like writing something up for lauren what would that be yeah so bounds uh they're they're pretty much run specific plyometrics and so they're they're short duration so you don't experience a lot of fatigue so each step can have a lot of power behind it so a bound might look like literally 10 steps on a slight incline is best anywhere from like five to 15%. And you're just trying to get as much airtime as possible, extending through that back leg as much as possible and driving with that front knee as much as possible. So ultimately it's a very exaggerated, elegant looking giant leap forward and up the hill. Uh, 
and doing 10, do you do 10 steps, 10 giant bounds, you know, so that's five each leg, and then give yourself plenty of rest. You know, you can go down to an easy jog, you can even walk. I mean, you can treat this more along the lines of, yeah, like a power, a power strength exercise. It's not, it's not cardio where we are working entirely on, on pushing yourself as powerfully as possible. It has nothing to do with, uh, with your metabolism. That, that makes a ton of sense. And then, and how much, how many reps, like this isn't necessarily a volume game for bounds, right? Like where, where would you, where would you draw the line in terms of how much is enough? You know, I, I would say start out with four. I, I think four to, cause you can make this its own workout. And in, in that case, you can go up to like, say eight sets, but if you've lost the power, I think that the workout should be, should be pretty much called there. Yeah. So you're going to have to kind of feel out like, and be honest with yourself. So like doing 10 to 12 to 15 sets and then doing the last half of them at like 70%, it's not helpful. You're better off running slow somewhere. Um, yeah. Now what I really like is, is warming up with bounds, like before doing a hill workout, like say some intervals or even before uh, a, a medium effort hill run, not even like necessarily a hard workout. I still like to do bounds because of what it kind of instills in the, the, the memory that it puts in your legs. So you do warm up with four sets of bounds, you know, do a little bit of a warm up, 10 minute, 15 minute, get your legs warm because bounds are powerful. They're a little strenuous. So make sure you're nice and warmed up before you get into these things, but hit the bounds, do uh, you know, four sets, of 10 with a solid 60 second rest between them at least. Uh, Cause that was like the phosphocreatine system kind of replenish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, yeah, hop into your, your hill workout and see if you can see if you can really in- instill though the the feeling of long strides again you have the stride rate so extend that stride yeah you know you'll have like more ground contact time especially if you're on uh, a hill but I, I would say kind of extend your reach a little bit if that makes sense it does i think that that's a really strong place to start and that would be how often would you do that once a week twice a week because that's i mean it's very low yeah like from a metabolism standpoint like it's probably not going to be very costly um but there muscular be- muscularly it might be strenuous see how you mm-hmm. feel i would say minimum once a week maximum twice a week mm-hmm. yeah giving yourself three to four days in between each each bout for sure Great. That's an awesome place to start and very practical. It doesn't take away, it's not going to affect the volume that she's putting in really at all. Um, so if that's still something she wants to do, still something she feels good about doing, she can just add this into part of her, um, her regimen. So say like she does the bounds, she's knocking those out. Um, she slows down her pace so that her runs are a little bit easier. What kind of then would you put actual speed work on the trails in or would you or would you just allow the volume and kind of put in one of these runs that are more like in that higher tempo type effort um, once or twice a week, once a week, probably um, once that she has, once that she's brought the easy runs down and added the bounds in, would you put speed work in for her or would you just kind of let her kind of take the volume and, and see how that, see what that produces? I, so she was up in like the 90 mile range. If she came down to the 70 mile, which it, you know, in her mind might be like the, the lowest she'd want to go as far as like feeling like she's actually putting in solid work. Uh, I say, go down, go down to the 70, 
uh, decrease the effort on your easy days, but on top of those bounds, do add in some intensity. Uh, I think that there is a lot of value in that, not necessarily in VO2 max. I don't think she's really interested in races that are that short. No. Uh, however, I think opera doing uh, like threshold repeats okay. would, would, you, be, would be valuable for her. Would you do that flat? No, I would do that. I mean, it's hard to say. I haven't seen her run, and uh, but I, I, I think that she she is very good at technical running mm-hmm. uh, based on the trails that I've seen. I think she runs, maybe she's on the rail trail from time to time, but she spends a lot of time on technical trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, I leave that up to her. So Lauren, you're listening. Uh, if you feel like you have really good running economy, I would say do that threshold work uh, on the technical terrain. And if you feel like you, you suck at flat running, or I should say just like running in a straight line, uh, I would say do it on non-technical. I'd probably still keep it in the hills. Uh, you know, I think slight inclines would be really valuable. Uh, and there's other benefits to that, you know, like the low impact and all that good stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I think the most important thing would just be to get in, uh, yeah, some threshold work and extending that stride. Yeah. And focusing on heart rate is definitely the most practical way to do your speed work on a trail because chances are for a threshold workout, which is going to be an interval between like five and 20 minutes, it's going to be hard to have one sustained terrain or one sustained elevation unless you are on a treadmill, which you could do. And that would definitely produce similar type results. Um, So going off of that heart rate and figuring out where that heart rate threshold is would be really helpful to do these workouts so that you might not even have to worry about the, the, the speed or the pace Right, the heart rate. To- totally agree. Yeah, when it comes to trails, you can't go off paces. You have to go off. You have to go off heart rate. You have to go off heart rate so you can get that response that you're you're hoping to get. Um, so, focusing on heart rate is is really the first place to start, I think, and bringing it down. And you know that might mean walking more, hiking more, and then adding in some of the threshold stuff. And I think that you're right. Like you can just kind of strategically then progress the threshold work so that you continue to build and improve. So aside from the running piece that I think that that's a really awesome place for her. And I think that she'll get great results in her FKT attempts and in her speed. And when she's going to hit these, hit these races, she's going to continue to crush if she does, if she follows those type of things. Um, But other things that she does, she, she puts an emphasis on strength training as well. And the way that she kind of approaches strength training is kind of the same that she approaches her, uh, your, her running training is through volume. So she does a lot of volume in terms of her strength training as well. And I think it would be like lots of wall balls, lots of split squats, lots of uh, air squats. And if she works with a weighted vest and like kind of light dumbbells, I don't think she has a gym right now, like most of us, but it ends up being a lot of, of volume there. Um, and I think that the idea is just to, the more that she can do to kind of simulate what she's doing on the trails, to like make her a better climber, which there is a use for that if you don't have access to hills, but she's already getting 20 K of vert each week. Right. So she's already putting in the time that is going to make the most of her climbing. So Josh, what do you think when it comes to her, the time that she's spending doing strength training? So I think the strength training is, uh, is great in and of itself. If you're handling the volume super well, uh, that's awesome. Kudos to you. As far as having it help you with your goal of speed, I, my recommendation would be to keep your uh, do more plyometrics and do more power lifting. So what that might look like is uh, go to some heavier weights and focus more on things that uh, light up the posterior chain and do 
instead of endurance sets, do shorter, more powerful sets, similar to the bounds. You want to focus on being able to uh, get the most power out of your legs and out of your body, give it ample rest, and then do it again at a, in a high power range because your power is mm-hmm. going to diminish as you go through the set. So the the high rep sets are great for building that muscular endurance, but you definitely have that right now. So I would just make a little transition to to power sets. And what that might look like is, uh, say for the split squat jumps, you know, you do 10 at a time, maximum explosiveness, get as high as possibly can. Same thing with something like squat jumps. Uh, I think, I think deadlifts or kettlebell swings in, uh, in the, the low rep range for deadlifts, you know, or depending on the weight that you have available to you, probably staying anywhere from like three up to, if you're using a kettlebell, I think 10 reps is good because the kettlebell, you can swing pretty fast and the amount of time under tension is equivalent to maybe three or four reps of uh, deadlifting an Olympic bar. But yeah, just trying to get the uh, the posterior chain moving with a lot of force and at a high rate of speed. And then mm-hmm. if you're really married to the idea of doing these endurance sets, I would say after doing your warm up or uh, however you get yourself ready to do these uh, strength exercises, do the power work first and then go into your endurance test to finish things off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, and what is the purpose of that? Just to get the feeling of the work that you're getting done and, but without exhausting yourself. So you can still get the benefit of doing the plyos and the, the speed work, but still kind of get the volume in. Is that why you would kind of? Yeah. Yeah. You want to, and it is, yeah. So you want to, you want to hit the fibers while they're still fresh and not fatigued. Therefore they can move at their maximum rate of speed. There's maximum uh, like neural drive and motor unit uh, recruitment, uh, which happens from like speed and for strength. Uh, but you can go back and listen to like Matt Liptick episode. And he talks about that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. And then if you want to get the endurance benefits, you can, you can add that in afterwards. It's sim- super similar to say going out, like you do a warm up for a run, then you do some speed work. And then after you're done with your speed work, you just finish the day off with, you know, like another hour of super easy running to get the endurance mm-hmm. effects, which is actually great because you have greatly fatigued the muscles from the power work that you had just done. So it's a way to, uh, I'm not going to use the word like compromise running, but it is, it is a way to kind of improve the endurance effects of that run. Fatigue running. Yeah. Just running under fatigue. And that's what, that's what you need to do. If you're doing longer events, most of the, the bread and butter is going to be done when you're tired. You know, anybody can run well when they're fresh, but running when you're fatigued uh, is really what's going to make or break these longer events. And right. Like you mentioned muscular endurance quite a, quite a few times and the muscular endurance that you're going to get from strength training is going to be inferior to what you're going to get with running, you know, like, and that's a mistake that I see runners uh, kind of doing a lot is thinking they need to work on endurance quote unquote, because they are endurance athletes. So they go and do a million squats, a million shoulder presses, and they're just not going to be able to sustain the amount of work they can do in strength training as much as they can do in, in endurance and actual running or being on the trail. So you're kind of spinning your wheels at that point. You're just kind of doing work for the sake of doing work. Um, and in Lauren's case, like where she's kind of probably already, near I mean, maybe not but she's near that threshold of where like the high end of work is what she should be doing so she's spending time doing extra stuff i think plyos is a really great way to do it especially now without having she probably doesn't have access to a heavy barbell or something so like doing plyos even sets of like you mentioned 10 i'd sets of like five or six just to make sure you're really getting it and really hitting it um, it won't feel the same as doing big volume reps just because it doesn't feel like the work that you're doing is. Yeah, you won't get that burn. You won't, you won't get, get that burn. burn. You won't get that like pump. Um, and you shouldn't because you're working on on 
on full muscle recruitment and just working as fast as possible. So you will fatigue before you can reach that point. Um, so doing things like that, I think would be really beneficial and even doing things, you know, we, that we've kind of been focusing on in our own practice is doing like joint mobility work and working on joint strength and working at like that end range of motion in terms of how you are working the actual joints and ligaments themselves. And I think that that in terms of longevity would be a much better time spent than doing volume, um, strength training. So even just doing like working on like some sort of routine. We talk about Cruise Elite a lot. So getting the basic bundle, shots Cruise Elite. We always talk about them. You should do it. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but even just like doing cars, like looking up the C-A-R-S and just doing like working in circles and just really working that end range of motion um, will go a long way um, because she, she's taking a beating right now. And so like adding more beating on top of it with that time isn't necessarily going to produce better results. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally agree. And yeah, for anyone listening, like cars, controlled articulated rotations, you're pretty much taking uh, like a one of your limbs or one of your joints through their full range of motion, like making big controlled arm circles, uh, maybe being like in the tabletop position and doing like a big fire hydrant motion with your leg, you know, like a dog pees on a fire hydrant, you bring the hip mm-hmm. up, around and back. And it's just, it's just making sure that you either regain or hold on to full ranges of motion of your body. And, uh, and yeah, actually have control in those ranges because ultimately a lot of injuries happen when you get into a range of motion that your body is not familiar with and your brain doesn't really know how to make a correction there. And so bad stuff happens. <laughs> totally. And when you start working there and what's been, been cool about uh, some of the things I've been doing with the Cruise Elite is that you can ultimately end up like loading it and kind of like have like putting like strapping a band onto it so you can then work your end range of motion with resistance. And this is technically strength training. You know, you are working to get stronger. Again, it doesn't feel like it. It's going to be very low. It's more It's more of like the workout that you would get from yoga, um, even probably less intense. It's just like really, really kind of just focus. Like it's like a mental workout and just really making sure you're doing everything right to hit all those spots. But it does help. Um, I think that that would be a really good use of her time on top of the plyos instead of like really hitting all of the the volume there. Unless you're working out for something specific like high rocks, which she's not, um, there's no real need to do all that, all that other stuff. Word, word, um, and some of the other things because of where she's really kind of pushing herself to be. I think it's important to take notice of what's happening to her physical and mental state during the process. So I think just like making sure that she's focused on some of the metrics outside of just the running and maybe some of the softer metrics such as mood um, would be really uh, helpful for her as well. And we talked about nutrition a little bit and um, I 100% agree that her bodybuilding background and I brought this up when I spoke to her about like, how much to eat um because she has a bodybuilding background she knows what food can do for her in terms of adding muscle losing fat and how it's going to help her training like she knows this already um which gives her a really kind of an edge on a lot of other endurance athletes who who don't and a lot of other endurance athletes won't fill in that hole that they've dug 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 themselves in through nutrition um just because they're not quite sure how that's going to benefit them so um she's pretty dialed in with that she mentioned she gets a pound of, uh, not a pound, a, a gram of protein per pound of body weight, which is right on point. And then she uh, just kind of make sure, 
then she kind of just makes sure that she is getting the carbohydrates in that she doesn't eat. Um, and she's pretty intuitive on this sense, but you know, when she's hungry, she eats and she's probably hungry a lot because she runs a lot. So she eats quite a bit. So the nutrition piece, I think is, is pretty secure here. And then, like I said, she's on top of it and she understands that she needs to fuel herself to keep performing at this high rate, especially because volume is important to her. And so the nutrition piece is, is really on top of it. So we don't really need to talk too much about where she can go from that respect. Um, one thing that I think would be really helpful for her is to really, um, make sure she has like, keeping track of how she's feeling over time. And that's simply just by done by journaling. So I think just keeping track of how she's feeling every single day. And a couple of metrics that I like to encourage people to do is the, their sleep, their mood, kind of how they're physically feeling and what their appetite is like. Um, and this could be just a scale of like one to five. Like if your sleep was good, mark it as five. If your mood was good, mark it as five. Um, if you physically felt good, five. Um, and then appetite can kind of be on a bigger scale, right? Like if your appetite was good, it should just be like kind of in the middle. If you were super hungry, it'd be higher. If you weren't hungry at all, it'd be lower. Um, is there anything else that you kind of like to document in terms of more of the subjective markers? Well, in my journal, I do have, I, I keep it a little more simple. I put like, a plus down to uh, down to D and D is like, I did not, I didn't do the workout because I felt like crap, which fortunately never happens. Uh, but yeah, like a, a B is, oh, I was tired, but that's expected because of the volume. Uh, but it went well, you know, sort of thing. Um, other than that, if something happened, that I think is worth noting, uh, like I stayed up super duper late or I ate something that didn't agree with me. I'll jot that kind of thing, that kind of thing in. Yeah. If I didn't get a lot of sleep or anything, but, uh, but I keep it pretty simple in that, in that regard. But I do think that it is a really great idea to have uh, something like that written down, just noting something to remind you is like, okay, this is how I felt. And you can get all of those days in a row. So you have a week of like B minuses down to like C minuses. It's like, all right, I'm tired. I better check myself, like make sure things don't get any worse and just like stay on top of sleep. Right. And that's essentially what these wearables end up doing for you is they just kind of track that data uh, automatically. And then they kind of can, and you can kind of look at the average over time and just figure out like w how things are actually looking because you can get, you can get lost in the day to day and just be like, Oh yeah, I didn't feel great today. And then you're looking back like, oh, I haven't felt great for the past like eight days. Like what could be going on here? Is it a volume problem? Is it a nutrition problem? Is it a sleep problem? Um, because she's going to need to sleep quite a bit as well. Um, and you know, sleep is definitely something that uh, like everyone needs to put a focus on. Um, I know she gets up early, um, but she's just doing doing the best as we all are in terms of of sleep. So I would definitely have her focus on like how those things are playing out over time because she because her work is just so high <laughs> and like there doesn't seem to be any any sight of like kind of backing off. So making sure that everything is kind of feeling okay is going to be really important for her. So I think like a journaling practice that you do every single day, like every night, when, when do you do your journaling? Do you do it after your workout or you do it in the evening or the morning? Uh, it depends. It, I find that it is best for me to record right after a workout, especially if it's something complex, like a strength workout that actually has a lot of different movements. Uh, but I will find myself logging, say a run uh, from say like Tuesday, I'll log it Wednesday morning with coffee, you know, something I can get away with, but I do try to have it all logged within 24 hours. Yeah, because then you forget. Right, exactly. If you don't have like your your, I tell myself that I'll remember, and I don't. <laughs> you definitely don't. And you just like you're like, oh yeah, I think that was fine. 
but then you're like, you're in that, you're in the moment and you're, you actually have those feelings and those, those, those are fleeting. So you kind of have to, to get rid of, to make sure you put those down on paper. Um, cool. So anything else that you want to mention for Lauren? Uh, I feel like that was pretty good. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll think of other things, you know, after, uh, after we're done here, but I feel pretty good about what we covered. I do too. And I think those are really good practical things that she can put into place for her, for her training. I love that the heart rate was mentioned. The bounds are, and the plyos are going to be something that is really going to be helpful for her and just making sure that she's able, that she is actually handling the volume and that she's just not surviving the volume mm-hmm. is really where we want to put an emphasis on for her so that she can continue to thrive. And when it comes time to perform again, that she's able to, because I mean, she's been crushing, she's setting lots of FKTs and you know, when there's races, she runs them and, and smashes. So we want We want that to yeah. keep, keep rolling for her. Yeah. And I like that distinction, by cool. the way, you're, you're handling so what, what you it, got not on? just surviving it. Yeah. And I think that's that like mentioning that, you know, in that heart rate zone where you're kind of in that gray zone, that's more of handling it, you know, and like that could be where she is now um, in terms of, as opposed to absorbing it and really going to improve. So I think that's good. Cheers, Lauren. Keep it up. You're crushing. Keep crushing. So dude, what do you got going on? What are you up to this past week when you're in the mountains again? Yeah, up in the mountains, I'm uh, I'm scouting my next uh, FKT attempt, which is uh, I want to do the long path through the Catskill Mountains. Uh, so the long or the long trail, rather, um, the long trail goes from New York City up to Albany. It's like 400 something miles, but there what? is a 90 mile section that goes to the Catskills, and that's most appetizing for me because I don't feel like a lot of it is road sections and like flat stuff. I want the Catskills. That's where all the elevation is. That's where all like the sweet trail is. Uh, but there are some sections of the Catskills that I haven't done yet. So I'm just hitting those up so I can build that mental map because when it comes game day, uh, I don't want to get lost in the brush, uh, you know, or miss some turns. I want to know, uh, uh, I want to have the strategy of knowing where to push and where to hang back. Cause it's going to end up being about 90 miles with 24,000 feet of, uh, of gain. How long is it going to take you? Uh, my my ambitious goal is 24 hours. I think that uh, I would still be happy with 25 or 26. The current record is at 29 and change. Um, and a couple of guys went for it a couple months ago, and they were going for 25, and they did not finish. It was a team. Uh, one guy dropped off, and then later on, the other guy dropped out for whatever reason. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, it beats you up, no doubt. I'm sure you didn't talk. You didn't talk to them. You didn't see what happened. You don't. You know who they are. I uh, know, but my buddy Steve knows who they are. So, uh, I don't know. I, I realize that I'm pretty quiet when it comes to, I don't know, like in the in the community. Like if I see someone in person, I, I talk to them, but I don't really reach out to anyone. I kind of like going and exploring on my own and just kind of like figuring it out. Um, yeah. Cool, dude. That's a that's epic one. And I mean. Is it better to do it before the fall? Because I'm sure when the leaves change and when they fall on the trail, that will make it exponentially harder. Totally. So I'm I'm roughly shooting for like the first week of October because the the full the colors should be great. It should be nice and cool. Um the the ground cover should die back because right now the nettle is just covering the trails and it's stinging up the legs and it's ugh, it's terrible. Um, but the leaves should still be on the tree. It should be nice and cool. It might be it might be a really good time. Dude, that'd be awesome. First week in October? That is the rough shot right now. Yeah, we'll see how things feel as uh, as I build volume and as I move towards that time. Uh, Because, yeah, I know that if I 
if I really push it, I'm going to be out of commission for, uh, for a couple of weeks after that, you know, but it, it feels good to have something to, to shoot for. I absolutely love the cat skills and it'll feel really good to have that one in the bag. Even if I feel like shit for a month after. Yeah. Would that be it? Will you just kind of be like, all right, I'm done until done December forever. done forever. <laughs> no, I'll recover. And uh, right now, actually, it's good. It's a pretty funny, uh, it's a pretty, pre- pretty funny dichotomy. Is like I want to go for this twenty-four hour, roughly, uh, event here, and then January, sometime in January, man, they got high rocks planned for New York. I think maybe Pennsylvania or Maryland or something. But there's a couple of high rocks. Yeah, events. New York. Yeah, yeah. So I'll build for that. I can't. I can't imagine. I mean, that'd be great, mm-hmm. but. I honestly can't because that'd be something I'd need to prepare for as well. Maybe I would, um, but I just need to start getting back onto some volume wall balls really and volume lunges just so I don't fall apart on stuff like that. Um, but I've pushed that aside completely, but high rocks is definitely something I want to get after. Well, dude, you're building, man, you're, I mean, <laughs> you're building towards something pretty sweet right now. And I, I think that you'd, uh, you'd be able to crush high rocks, you know, after, uh, with like a month or two of focus work going into that after you're done doing what you're doing now. Yeah. 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 So right now I'm just building, building volume, doing some faster, longer runs, more like marathon type stuff. I think we're just going to try to go run a marathon, dude. Dude, it's beautiful, man. Go out and do it. Uh, You're feeling really good with, uh, with all your mileage right now. I'm feeling like awesome. I mean, I've been really tired. (laughs) I was saying to you before we came on, it's like my brain might be broken. My sleep's a little (laughs) junked up and I got, I got to figure out what's going on with my sleep because I don't know if I'm just like burning it too, too hot, but like, yeah, I'm kind of on a down week this week. Um, next week I'll, I'll bring it back up, but the runs themselves have been like really, really solid. So I'm keeping it mostly, mostly flat. Just what I have around here and mostly road, because if you're preparing for a road marathon, like you need to get on road. Mm-hmm. You have to like, you have to prepare your legs and your feet for stuff like that. I mean, you could put the volume in and you would, your fitness would be there for a marathon if you're doing it on trails. But once you get into mile 18, 19, like your feet are going to be just a, all jacked up. So I just need to make sure my feet are, are handling it. My joints are handling the road. Um, so there, there's some place to be on trails and hills, but like really not that much. Um, I did go out to, to Blue Mountain up in uh, Palmerton this past weekend. I got some mountains in me. Oh, sweet. You got in the mountains and they got in you. What'd you do out there? They have that like blue burn trail. Have you seen, do you follow much of what they do out there? Like they have like a trail. They're actually doing a great job in Blue Mountain of like trying to utilize the off months from skiing um, to try to get people on the mountain. And they're trying to do like some obstacle course stuff on the mountain as well. Um, Just be like, they have like a little obstacle course out there. They have... Um, this woman who is part of like, the Lehigh Valley Spartans, shot the Lehigh Valley Spartans, who works there and is really kind of heading up, like just getting some trail running action there. And they have like this cool trail that goes all the way around. And have you ever done the trail that has like, uh, they had this, um, like at the bottom, there's like a sensor. So you, you check in in there and then you go, you run to the top, you check in at the top sensor. And then there's a, a, another sensor that shows so you can, you can keep track of who's doing what. Um, and like, there's like, uh, leaderboards based off of the the sensor and everything. Um, so I went to go do that. I got lost immediately. It's it's, <laughs> it's marked. It's marked extremely well. Honestly, it is beautifully marked, better than it was last year. But the course is different than last year when I ran there a lot, and I was running hard and then just got completely lost. That's all right. You already threw out the, the disclaimer that your brain's not working. Brain is broken. <laughs> it was completely broken that day, and then yeah, so it was okay. The climb was like. 
there's a one huge climb. If you're familiar with Palmerton, like it goes, uh, it ends up going up the double sandbag type of, or the sandbag carry mm-hmm. that's so steep. Um, and they have another big climb um, on the way up. And that was like fine. They have a pretty steep technical downhill, which did not go well. <laughs> when I was I was on, I was like, oh my God, this is actually terrifying. And I didn't feel comfortable in my shoes. They didn't feel like the grip was very good. Um, what are you wearing these days? Mm, man, it's a bad day when you don't feel comfortable in your own shoes. Uh, I know. Uh, hashtag I'm roadrunner. Uh, what, what am I wearing these days? Yeah. Like if you were doing like a steep, rocky, um, like, but like loose rock downhill, like what would you want to wear? Honestly, I think what I want to wear, I, I haven't had the joy of trying lots of different shoes because shoes are expensive. So I just kind of deal with what I got on uh, yeah. the iRocks from uh from vj i like those they don't have a rock plate and my feet hurt but i just like them because they're nimble and they grip really well i think that i'll fancy the uh the maxes because the extremes for some reason the, sh- the like the toe box shape is just a little different and my feet don't like it uh, i tried like taping my pinky toe and i can manage it for like an hour but it starts to get uncomfortable uh but those shoes those shoes are awesome man uh other than that i uh i've been doing pretty well the nike terra tigers do me well because they have like a little bit of cushion uh, they have some decent grip granted it's dry they're not good and wet at all but they are they are comfy and they're, mm. they're fairly lightweight like nike makes some pretty lightweight good cushion shoes similar to like hoka not like it's a different shoe than hoka but hoka does a good job at like having cushion yeah, but yeah. keeping it light mm-hmm yeah, because that's what I was in. I was in uh, the the Speed Goat, and same deal. Like they're good if it's dry. It seemed okay. The grip's okay, um, but in the mud and the wet, they're a disaster. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a the, with the trail running man. Like you just need, and even obstacle course racing. I'm with you, man. Like I'll get a pair of shoes and I'll just ride with them. I'm like, okay, this is what I have now. I'm not going to get a pair of shoes for every occasion. But it's almost like you need that. You almost like need mm-hmm. to have a pair of shoes depending on what it's going to be. And I'm just like, well, ha- this is my trail running shoes. So when I go run on trails this is what I'm going to wear. And then I run into scenarios that are just terrible for me and I don't have any other, other, other backup. <sighs> so I think yeah. I might need to start get, trying some other ones. Yeah. I'll tell you, I, I absolutely love the, the VJ rock. Uh, again, it's like, it's kind of narrow. It doesn't have a rock plate. If you're on really technical, sharp rocks, it kind of hurts the foot, but yeah. overall performance, the agility of it and the grip is, uh, it, it, it's definitely my go-to. It just grips so freaking well, whether you're stepping on a rock or you're in mud. Cause it's got big lugs. It's got like seven mil lugs. Does it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's what I like about the speed go is that I can't feel too much underfoot. Um, you need that feedback, ro- son. Yeah. But like, it hurts. And if I'm not, on, I'm not on trail. I'm not on trail that much I like so when I get hurt. there. So when I get on the trails, like I don't want it to just hurt. I need to spend more time there to get used to it, but I just like don't have enough time there. So when I get the speed goats, I'm just like bombing down stuff, just bouncing off things. It's great. Um, it's what are the time. maxes? What well, is a fun time, but I would like a rock plate. Um, are the maxes, do they have any type of rock plate or are they more cushioned or what are those? I like? think so. They are the more cushioned model. The lugs are some, maybe like four mil, whereas the extreme is five or six. And then the IROC is like seven. Uh, but yeah, the max, so it has a lower lug, slightly beefier, probably a little bit better for more of the rocky stuff. Not so much the mud, but yeah, it's got ample cushion and I'm fairly certain it has a rock plate in it. Cause I could race in something without much cushion, but the train in it is just not awesome. Like I, I, I had a pair of, um, innovates two or three years ago that didn't have a rock plate. Um, and I remember not liking training in them, but never having a problem in a race, mm-hmm. never really worrying. Cause the adrenaline's it. going and stuff. And you're just, 
just Not care way less. Attention. Yeah. Yeah. You just care way less. Totally. I might have to try the VJs. I've, I've, I've been adverse to trying them just cause I, I had tried on a pair of the ones that you tried on that don't fit well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, these fit terribly. <laughs> and so I was like, why would I do this? Um, and the shoe that you really just can't try on, like it's almost exclusively online. Like I, like I've never seen it in a retail store. Yeah. So I'm very cautious in trying something like that, especially if it's not going to have too much cushion or a rock plate and not be comfortable. I was like, eh, but maybe I've heard, I've heard some good thing about the maxes. So maybe I'll just suck it up and give it a shot. Dude, I've heard the same thing about the maxes. People that didn't like the other models like the maxes. Everyone likes the maxes. It seems. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe we'll have to try that. But but yeah, just gonna keep keep grinding away, kinda take it down a week. It's gonna be a nice, nice week, so um that'll be that. And I'm just gonna try to get more sleep. I think I'm gonna go take a nap right now. That sounds good. You look like you need it. I'm kidding, you look beautiful. But you look more beautiful totally. after some beauty rest. Thanks, man. <laughs> I know. All right, dude. Well, let's sign it off. Josh, where can we find you? Uh, I am located. I'm located. That's a funny thing. I am virtually located on Instagram at Joshua Reeves, J A underscore S H U A underscore R I E D. I'm ready to answer your questions, no matter what they are. Make them weird. Make Hit them up. realistic. Whatever. I don't care. Talk to me. He'll answer. Friends. There, yeah. There's, <laughs> no hypotheticals with Josh. He will give you the straight info, no matter what the question. I'm at reinforce underscore running underscore rich. I hope you guys did enjoy this episode. We enjoyed going through it. I think there is crossover between Lauren's story, between everybody's story. And, you know, if you're focusing for the mountains, which a lot of you are, I think you can take a lot of the practices that would help Lauren and put it into your own place. So we'll continue to do these. Um, In the next couple of weeks, we'll have another one that's more specifically for road racing and more nutrition based. Um, But yeah, give us, shoot us a note, any questions you have. And we thank you guys for listening. Thanks, everybody.